You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. <laughs> buns, buns, buns. From a, from a, like a young age, it's it don't throw like a girl, don't cry like a girl, don't be a little bitch. And the question is, if you think the worst thing that someone could be is a woman, how are you going to treat women? Mm. And as also the the takeoff of that is that the worst thing you can be is feminine. How are you going to treat gay men? So I really think this starts from just values of youth, and that's how people can change. It's like when you have a young girl, you you should probably compliment her on her achievements and on her looks. From Sustainable Joe's, this is 2084, a podcast about designing tomorrow, creating a sustainable future for all, told by the people building it today. My name is Stephen Such, I'm the founder of Sustainable Joe's, and I'm happy to welcome you to episode 20 of our podcast. As you can probably imagine from our intro, this episode doesn't pull any punches. Frankly, in this episode, we talk about a lot of things that may make many people uncomfortable. So if you got an uneasy stomach, you might not want to listen to this episode. But one of the four pillars of sustainable development is social inclusion. And if we are to make our world more socially inclusive, these conversations are crucial to have. On our podcast today, I sit down with Brad Wamis and Jordan Whalen. Brad is a dear friend of mine who has climbed the corporate ladder and is currently the director of finance at a Toronto-based advertising firm. And Jordan is the president of Grey Smoke Media, dubbed Toronto's top media buying and PR team. And as you will hear, he has also written for the Huffington Post. We recorded this episode live a few months back in Steam Whistle's beautiful brewery boardroom overlooking the CN Tower and Sky Dome. And I would like to take a quick second to say thank you to Steam Whistle from their 100% renewably powered brewery to their green bottles, which can be reused up to three times more than a standard brown beer bottle. Quote, unquote, Steam Whistle is proud to support Sustainable Joes as we work to create a sustainable tomorrow together. Back to today's episode, it starts off a little slow and certainly finishes strong. Some interesting things we talk about are the masks we wear in society, what straight acting is, the intersection of medicine and homosexuality, and how we as a society can let go of some societal gender assumptions to move forward in a more positive direction. Lastly, our recording device picked up some random radio stations, so please disregard the background inconsistency, i.e. jazz music. Ultimately, this episode is positive, this episode is powerful, and I hope you enjoy. Uh, for starters, cheers. Yeah, thank you for having us. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Steam Whistle, for having us. What? Perfect plug. plug. Brad, you're a dear friend of mine. Jordan, I literally just met you. Yeah. Brad and Jordan. So I hear a rumor that you might start a podcast. That is correct. Thinking about it, yeah. We're thinking about it. And what do you want that podcast to be about? Well, I was on Sick Boy. Do you know that podcast? I don't. I mean, for, for those who don't know what Sick Boy is? Uh, Sick Boy is a podcast about just frank conversations about health. It was started by a guy with cystic fibrosis. And mm-hmm. he had a life expectancy of 30 years old. He's actually 30 now. And he wanted to just have a conversation about people who had chronic diseases to come on and talk about health and their own mortality and confronting that. Um, 
obviously I don't have it. I mean, I have colitis, but I don't have like a disease per se as being gay. But we talked about like the mental ramifications of being a gay man. And that's why I was on. Gotcha. And how did the conversation go? It was great. Um, and I think the what last... What did he say? What did you say? What are... What, what, I told him... What was your takeaway? It stemmed off an article I wrote uh, called To Be a Gay Man Is To Be a Chameleon. In the Huffington Post, they wrote an article about uh, the nuances of being a gay man and the things people don't not notice, uh, the discrimination. So the big issue that I started the article off about was that I was at a game at the ACC Raptors game and they had the kiss cam. Do you know what that is? Yeah. I mean, like, I mean at, at every, 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 yeah, every yeah, sport. Every sport event. I yeah. know, but I usually go to like one a year. <laughs> I love seeing like the, the, the older couples. Exactly. Like, so they had heterosexual couples in the heart, and it would go around to each of them. Then two girls, and obviously all the guys love that because you just fetishize that relationship. And then it had two, um, two guys. They were like in their 40s, blue-collar types. And the whole arena erupted into laughter, about 18,000 people. And it was just one of those moments where I think kind of my childhood and painful memories started coming back, and it just was an encapsulation of how society views gay male love it's so hilarious that two men would be in love they could have been husbands uh they weren't your typical gay stereotype but they could have been husbands and i just kind of thought of that moment if that was me eighteen thousand people like delegitimizing who i am as a person would really affect me so then i wrote an article about all the little instances when I go to the doctor, when I get in a cab, when I travel, when I have business meetings, and I just went through all the nuances of things that people don't normally see beyond, you know, not the stuff that's in the news, just the nuances that we always talk about. And that's exactly why I wanted to have this conversation today. Because, so one of the, there's four pillars in sustainable development. Economic prosperity, how do we empower all people to put a roof over their head? Environmental stewardship, recognizing that all of our economic prosperity comes from the natural world around us social inclusion how do we empower all people to prosper economically while stewarding the environment and then good governance what are the good governance structures right that support all people to prosper economically while taking care of the environment my hope today is that we can kind of look through the lens of social inclusion as it pertains to homosexuality in our society and other societies, whether it's, you know, your experiences traveling or in, in corporate Canada and corporate America and in our corporate culture. So before we get to some of those experiences, Brad, can you Hello. tell everybody a little bit about yourself? My name is Brad Wamis. I'm from London, Ontario, originally. My mother's in the room today. Shout out. Shout out. I, lo I love you, mom. I know my mom's going to listen to this podcast too. Of so cheers to like all moms of mom the world. Would. Love you, Cheers. Sheila. I'm, a, I'm an accountant by nature. I've had a ton of different jobs in my lifetime, but I'm currently working for an advertising agency as their finance director. Um, and you kind of mentioned like, like social inclusion in the workplace. And this is like really the first job I've had that I've truly felt comfortable being out and myself in the workplace. And I think it's just because of the nature of advertising. It kind of lends itself to more of a creative type person and therefore there are more gay men so yeah this is like really the first office job i've had where i've been truly myself what what's the office experience been like like I, in the past yeah and 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 now like what what is that what is the thing that has made you feel 
truly yourself at this place, comparatively speaking to other places of employment? Well, I think Jordan like has mentioned this in his articles before that like in the corporate environment, there's kind of this notion of like toxic masculinity and that being more masculine is a virtue in the workplace. And it's seen as like, I don't know, more of like a confidence thing and things like this. So in the past where I've been at more, like, I guess more stricter corporate environments, it just hasn't lended itself to me being fully open and being myself. So this is a question I'm a, like a little uncomfortable to ask because it's, well, I'm just going to ask it. We can handle it. We yeah, can handle I'm it. sure you can. <laughs> when we talk about inclusion, you always hear these stories of gay people when they come out, their families disowning them. I mean, there, there, there could be nothing worse to me than my family being like, oh, we don't love you anymore because of who you are. What was your experience like and what advice or support do you have to offer to people who might be thinking like, or feeling or, or they know they're gay? I don't know what that experience is like, but I imagine there has to be a moment when you go from oh, hey, people think I'm straight, and now I know I'm coming out. Yeah. Well, my mother's in the room today, so it's obvious that I was not disowned. Um, I, like, my advice to people is, I guess, don't wait. Like, you build it up in your head. That, what, was your, what, was, yeah, what was your experience, though, like, first, before you get to advice? Um, I mean, if somebody couldn't connect with it, and so you can support that. Yeah, I mean... My parents were basically like the last person, like the last people I told, um, which is probably very hurtful to hear, but I think it's much easier to like come out to your friends and like even my siblings knew before my parents did. Um, but yeah, I think you just have this thing built up in your head that they may disown you and what is life going to look like then? And like you're terrified of what they're going to think of you. Um, but yeah, you, you build it up in your head to be this huge, massive thing. But at the end of the day, like if your parents are truly good parents, they're going to love you regardless of who you love. So, I mean, I obviously had a, I had it good and I'm very lucky that I have supportive parents, but not everyone is in that same situation and I yeah, feel for them. But at the same time, I would say like, don't hesitate, like, be your true self and like we're not going to move forward as a society until everyone is living their true lives like people living in the closet for years are not helping our situation at all like we're not going to move forward as a people if you're still if you still have that stigma that being gay makes you a, like a lesser person just to clarify when you say our situation are you talking about society at large or gay society people? as a whole but also as gay people i think it yeah, yeah, both. both. I, I I wholeheartedly agree. I just yeah. Um, My Jordan? advice for parents is experience first. Oh, my experience. Um, yeah, my parents accepted me immediately, but without conditions. I know so many LGBT people whose parents accept them, but still with an ounce of shame. 
So I'm okay with you being gay. Just don't tell anyone of the family at Christmas. Just kind of keep it to yourself. And that's never, that, that is never imparted on heterosexual people. And so that was one of the things I was fortunate about. But what I always say to people is, if you want to know how far it hasn't come, why don't I know so many 30-something-year-old gay closeted men in Toronto, in one of the best cities in the world to be gay? What is still ingrained in like our social cues that that's still happening in 2017? What, what do you think it is? It's like you're made to feel, this is how I said it to someone the other day, you're made to feel uncomfortable everywhere. I'm made to be, feel uncomfortable at the doctor because they don't know how to talk to you about gay sex or like male-on-male relationships. I'll have a cough and they're like, oh, you have HIV. We got to test you for that. And it's clearly not that. Yeah. Or I went to one clinic and I asked them for a new family doctor and they were like, come back on, because I told them about myself and they're like, come back on Thursday. That's when our LGBT doctor's in. I said, oh, so does that, like LGBT friendly doctor. I was like, oh, does that mean the other ones are just not, don't want to see, like take us on? Like imagine you had a clinic and you're like, oh, that our black doctor's going to be, like it's, it's still, and they didn't even blink when I said it. And I feel uncomfortable like, constantly you go on a vacation with your boyfriend you get a couple's massage they're like where's your wife like you just always feel like you don't belong and it's so ingrained and like the heteronormative perspective is in everything well and even just walking down the street in the city like you'd be hesitant to kind of hold hands depending on which neighborhood you're in and like people will look regardless of where you are like it's yeah it's just still ingrained in our culture i think but or like safety concern yeah yeah, for sure. Like, you know, like I, we were at a club in Montreal and like I got totally like physically gay bash because I was wearing these bright pink shorts. I'm sure but he's burned them since. In Montreal, we were. But because like, they were awful, not because. Yeah, they were I mean, gay. I have. Yeah. But I mean, then you know someone. So then when you walk late at night, you just have these concerns in your head and you try not to make eye contact with certain types of people or you try to not let on that you're gay. It's, it's like the chameleon nature, like I talked about in the article. How do we get beyond that? That's a million dollar question, I guess. I mean, I, mean, what's, what's, I don't what's have a solution. What's going to make you comfortable enough to hold hands anywhere? Well, that will never Time. happen in our lifetime, 100%. We won't, yeah. I mean, I kind of have resolved to the fact that it's not going to be where I need to be by the time I die. Because I was watching a Harvey Milk documentary, and it was like 40 plus years ago, and they're talking about certain people, how they feel at work and how they don't feel. And the like, nuances they were discussing, my friends still have that. It's 40 plus years. Uh, but what I think it starts with is when you have a baby, don't assume it's heterosexual because that always happens. The second someone has a baby, he always going to like sports. Make sure you paint, paint it blue. You just set up a disappointment. And then the second that kid realizes it's not what you want it to be, then they immediately feel intense shame. But it's everything. I mean, like, do you know any out... NBA players? Do you know any out NHL players? We I mean, know that they there. exist. Yeah. Like, it's 2017. Sounds like you have an experience there. Well, I've had a little. I've had oh, some God. people hit on me. <laughs> but, I mean, like, we don't exist. You live like a ghost. That's how I explain it. And, and it's gotten a lot better. I'm not, I'm not saying that. And we're not, like, have a victimhood complex. But you live like a ghost. You don't really belong in ways and I can't, until you're like an LGBT person, I can't, I can say these instances, mm -hmm. but there's thousands of them. It has gotten a lot better. Like, I mean, we didn't come out till our 20s, and I personally didn't know anyone in high school that was 
visibly like out and gay and proud. But now like people are doing it in high school and like so it is getting better. Like just I don't think that it will ever be where it needs to be in our lifetime. It's funny because I kinda I, I can relate to the I don't know that it's gonna be where it needs to be in, in our lifetime when I think of sustainability. Oh hundred like, percent. Like you see all these doomsday articles, like the world's ending, blah, blah, blah. And we're almost at a point of no return. When I was making the film. Yeah. Expert after expert saying we're doomed and we're dead. Like I literally got depressed editing together the film. The first approach we took, it's like, oh, hey, here's a little history of sustainable Joes. Here are the problems. And then here are the solutions. We'll end on this high. It'll be great. But by the time you got through the problems, you literally wanted to slit your wrist. Right. Yeah. Because they just seem so insurmountable. Yeah, correct. And then we took this approach of what I call the hammer and the feather. So here's a problem. Here's the solution. Like following it, right? Like, and then here's the next problem. Here's the next solution. If we were to take that approach when it comes to social inclusion, whether it's from a, a racial standpoint or it's from a LGBTQ standpoint, what would that next step look like? There's multiple like facets for like the LGBT, like here's one, 40% of LGBT or 40% of homeless youth are LGBT, but they make up like 5% of the population. So that goes back. Wait, can you say that again, please? 40% of homeless youth are LGBT, like identify as LGBT, okay. but LGBT people make up 5% of the population. So they're only 5% of the population, but they make up almost half of homeless youth. And that goes back to what I'm talking about, the parental disappointment and disowning your child from the beginning um and the origin of that of that is like multifactorial that's everything from like you know religion cultural kind of stuff but there's so many other things i think like for us we i think we're relatively well adjusted now but i think you notice it when you date because okay maybe you came out but then the second stage is like People are broken in our culture. Like our our group, we have high rates of anxiety, depression, substance abuse, suicide in gay male culture. And I think like when it comes back to the social inclusion thing, like like this is this is the social safety net that has to just support these people, and it's kind of like crumbling at this point because it needs financial resources to sustain it, right? Whereas if you work to include people, there wouldn't be you know, a strain on those resources, like mental health resources, social services resources, that kind of thing. It's not that hard to just accept someone for being gay. Like, just take that step and all these things wouldn't have to exist. But it's so hard for people to do And it. there's, like, so many bigger problems in the world that, like, why do you have to hate someone for who they love? Like, this is, like, there's poverty, environmental issues, wars. Like, why do you care about who I take home at the end of the night? Like... It just baffles me. Yeah. I mean, the person you want to hold at night is just the person you want to hold that night. It still blows my mind to think that you have gone to a doctor's office and they, and they would say, like, oh, I've had, I had the to LGBTQ a... doctor it comes in on Thursday. Like, so that's I, I, I what... just went to the doctor. Like, that was... like I want to be serviced by yes. the doctor. Yeah. Exactly. As a taxpayer. That was two <laughs> months ago. And then last month, I went to a doctor. That was two months ago. Who mm -hmm. said to me... I had an anal fissure. I mean, obviously, enjoy it, everyone. What is that? Sorry. Uh, it's it's like something a, to do with his it's colitis. Like a, I have ulcerative colitis, so it's like, a, it's like a cut on your sphincter. Okay. It's 
look it up. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I went to this Those doctor and he was what telling me about it and we were talking about like uh, receptive anal sex and I was like, is that even a possibility? Like are there precautions you can take? And he just like leaned back in his chair and like looked at me and he's like, you know, maybe this is the point where you should reconsider your lifestyle. And I, and normally I was it's thinking like a healthcare professional like, and there's like, cr- like, and then that thing goes in your head. You're like, okay, don't, don't be, don't overreact. And you look around and there's like crosses and you're like, oh, I see the alignment here. This is you. And so I report him to the college. But if I was 20, I wouldn't have done that. But I do that now because the 20 year old won't do it because he's already on shaky foundation and I'm 31 and obviously I have an aggressive personality. So I feel like it's like my, my well, confident. Right. Confident, sure. Like I, I think aggressive. That's a nice How way to put it. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I like. I mean, I don't. I, I think you, as we get older, we we have experience, and with experience, some of those things that might have seemed more like, oh, I got to deal with this in in this this aggro way. Yeah. Kind of kind of disappear. It's like okay, what like what's the the best approach to get the desired result? And that, and for me, that was, I don't care if it takes me two hours to report someone. I just don't want it to happen again to someone else. I can handle it, but someone else might not. So this podcast is called 2084. The idea being designing a better tomorrow. When both of you think of the year 2084, you know, what do you, what do you want that world to look like? And what world are you standing to build? Well, like as cheesy as it sounds, like just more love and support for those people that are maybe different than you. I think just coming from that fundamental change, like a lot of issues will be solved. Do you mean from like an LGBT perspective? No, just uh, from a you perspective. I think we're doomed. I'm like a fatalist, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think I should probably say the LGBT experience because that's kind of my own. I think. Um, I think just the values that we instill in children from a young age need to change. Uh, like the gender roles of boys and girls uh, need to start from there. Um, and I think a lot of it is like, I watched this documentary about, um, did you ever see it, The Mask We Wear? No. It talks about, um, they're trying to figure out why there's a high degree of sexual assault among like men on women. and they talk about how men are emotionally constipated and from a, from a, like a young age, it's it don't throw like a girl, don't cry like a girl, don't be a little bitch. And the question is, if you think the worst thing that someone could be is a woman, how are you going to treat women? Mm. And as also the, the takeoff of that is that the worst thing you can be is feminine. How are you going to treat gay men? So I really think this starts from just values of youth. And that's how people can change. It's like when you have a young girl, you, you should probably compliment her on her achievements and on her looks so you don't set up a life of making all about her looks. You know, that's something that, like, when I know people who have a young daughter, I'm like, that's the kind of the thing I push. Not like, you look pretty. It's like, oh, you're smart, you know? Yeah, I think it's huge. Do you think there's any gay hate out there towards straight people? I mean, when we talk about social inclusion, I, I think we have to look at both sides of the coin. I wouldn't say hate necessarily. I mean, it just flowed better. Yeah. Girls at gay bars. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, that's a whole other story because they're just obnoxious. Um, <laughs> bachelorette parties. Bachelorette parties. They think it's funny to go to a gay bar. Um, like, look at the animals. They're so yeah. fun. Yeah. What is that experience like? I 
it's well, another thing that makes you just feel like lesser of a human. Like they think it's funny. They think it's they go. want you to shop with them. You're a novelty. Uh, you can like my sister said it best because my sister's a lesbian and she said it best. She's like, you have the whole world. Why do you have to come here and make this like, like a safari? That's kind of our whole thing. It's like, this is our safe space. We only get a couple. You have the world. Don't come here and be obnoxious. Don't tell us we're like shopping partners. Don't, like, if you're going to come. That would be annoying to hear. Like, hey, yeah, like, I bring girls partner? to gay bars. Like, that's, yeah. so, that's so stereotypical. Yeah. Exactly. Like, is it just because I'm gay? Yeah. I mean, anyways. Um, well, like, stereotypes are there for a reason. Yeah. Like, exactly. But, yeah. Wait, I mean, what was the question, though? Because I feel like I had something else to say. Well, the, the question was, is there, you know, if we look at the other side of the coin and we, like, is there any gay hate towards straight people? Or, I mean, racism from um, the home, like the LGBT community. Why? I don't know what would motivate that. Well, just... Like, you know what motivates, like, a lot of a homophobia. They did a study that the more... They took a bunch of homophobic guys. The more homophobic they are, the more that their penis reacted to gay porn. So that's, like, internalized homophobia. They're probably gay guys. And that's also what exists in our community. Like... In our community, the best thing you could be is what's called straight acting. So you're like a bro. You, and that's just the way of like trying to assimilate into heterosexual culture and like distance yourself from gay people instead of advocating for them. So there's like gay guys. There's this group where like gay guys, but we don't like anal sex, and it's just a way of like distancing themselves from the community instead of fighting for it. I have two more questions. What have you? I mean, I know both of you have traveled. What's the the experience or the gay experience been like in other cities? And what have those the locals suggested their experience has been like in their city or country? Well, there are certain places that we cannot travel, which I think is like the worst thing also. Because um, I want to see the world and like I don't want to be restricted by my sexuality. Um and even when we are in different cities, you don't know how people are going to react. And you don't know, I mean, what are people going to stare at you? Are people going to be aggressive? Like, I mean, I like to think that we're not visibly homosexual, but... Um, Sometimes. Well, that's, yeah. Depending on my shorts. <laughs> Depending on your pink shorts. But um, not that that's a bad thing even, but just to be, I don't know, you have to be overly cautious no matter where you go. We kind of choose our destinations based on places that are more gay friendly. Um, but yeah, it would be nice just to be like not restricted by having to think that. Well, I mean, and whether that's your, your sexual orientation, your religion or, or your ethnic background, I, I think when we w look towards social inclusion on a, on a global scale and, and from, you know, through the lens of sustainable development and we are, People, people first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we want everybody to be included everywhere. And it goes back to how do we empower everybody to prosper economically while stewarding the environment and being socially inclusive. Is there any last message that you would like to, to share? I'm on Tinder. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, See, and they're, they're, it's interesting, though. In my like heterosexual mind, I go, isn't it called Grinder? Oh, it's I have both. Really? I'm very busy. Why? I mean, it's just 
more opportunity. Well, also, I have like 5% of the population. That's like when girls are like, oh, I can't find any dudes. I'm like, you know, you have like 40% of the population and I have like 5%. So shut up. That's what I always say to my girlfriends. They're like, I can't find anyone. I'm like, we have like, that's our We problem. have even slimmer chances of finding someone. When you're gay, you date like, it's like the same 500 guys. Like you just, like we've all like dated kind of similar people. But my my message is I think the thing that fuels a lot of this is just straight allies, like speaking up. Just because you're not part of a group doesn't mean you shouldn't speak up for them. Like, I'm happy to advocate for, like, a person of color. I'm not a person of color. Those policies might not affect me, but why can't you speak up for them? Like, and that's kind of my thing is, like, that's what I've gained about being, like, that's a silver lining to all this is you just gain, like, a deep emotional intelligence and empathy for people from being LGBT, and I, that's what I wouldn't trade for a thing, because you can just see someone else's struggle. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, if you know someone who's gay, ask them what it's like. Because until I wrote that article, people were like, oh, you can get married now, everything's great. It doesn't just, like, you don't just get married one day and then everything just, you have to undo decades of, of culture. Hate. And I think like, yeah, so my first thing would be ask a gay person what it's like, and the second thing would be like, just watch how you like heteronormative ideals are like ingrained in everything. So like watch about when you ask someone about their partner, watch how you change, like watch when you turn on a TV and you don't see gay relationships that often, like what it's like for us to like when I'll, I'll watch a gay movie when it's horrible just to see myself. And that's kind of like a really sad thing, but it's just cause I'm so used. Like when we grew up, there was, there was one show and you just you can't see yourself anywhere. You can't see yourself in music and TV and you just feel like our whole thing about social inclusion is belonging and we want to feel accepted and when you don't see yourself anywhere. So that's kind of my big thing. Brad? Beautifully said. Y'all done? Okay. I just want to acknowledge both of you for just being the people you are. Like, Brad, you're, you are a very important person in my life and Jordan... Uh, Brad said nothing but the best things about you, and and it was it was uh, a privilege to speak with you this afternoon. Thanks. Um, and he was absolutely correct. Thank you for sharing. And uh, yeah. thanks for having us. Cheers, boys. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you. That was my conversation with Brad Wamis and Jordan Whalen. Jordan is handling PR for the boys, and you can get in touch with him on Twitter at Jordan J Whalen. I will put that also in the show notes. As always, if you know someone or some company that is creating a sustainable tomorrow right now and want us to highlight them on the podcast, let us know. We're also looking for our first Sustainable Joe's 2084 intern. If you're interested, please send an email to 2084, that's 2084 at sustainablejoes.com. You can subscribe to 2084 wherever you get your podcasts and please do me a favor and leave us a review while you're there. It really does more than you know. We also want to say thank you to Buns. They host our podcast for free. Buns is a community that connects you with the people in your neighborhood to help you find the things you need to fuel your life. You can swap things you already have, find jobs, homes for rent, advice, and just a place to talk about your city. Buns is available online at buns.com and on your phone via apps thanks to the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Lastly, this podcast is publicly funded thanks to our patrons who support Sustainable Joes. If you find value in this content, I ask you to join our community and become a patron. We have patrons who support at a dollar a month and others at $20 a month. The choice really is yours and everything helps. Thank you all. 
Lastly, big thank you to Koji Nagata for letting me use his recording gear to record this episode. This episode was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly. And music, again, was, as always, provided by Johnny of Wolf Saga. If you've yet to check him out, you can find him on Facebook at Wolf Saga. Also, if you've yet to watch our documentary, you can watch it for free right now at SustainableJoes.com. I'm excited to say that we recently, i.e. yesterday, uh, released our first short from the film in an effort to add more value and, and provide a very simple and digestible way for people to kind of get the, the idea behind the film. Again, you can watch the film at SustainableJoes.com. I thank you all for listening, and I hope that you make it a great week. Don't forget Valentine's Day is next week, so be sure to tell the people that you love you love them. And if you need a card, check out our Good Card Co., where we plant two trees for every one card we sell. We just released our love collection this week. Bye for now. Time here wisely